Actually, let's start in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, and then we'll jump down to Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, we just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Mother's Day, whoever came up with the idea, we appreciate them because it is worth celebrating. All the mothers, you all are heroes, and we thank you for all that you do. We don't understand as men the kind of sacrifice that mothers put forth, and so we thank all of you for all you sacrifice and all that you do. Amen. Well, there are people preaching today all over the world. And most preachers today are probably going to draw their topic regarding uh, mothers. And um, I saw one pastor posted a uh, what he was going to preach about today and he posted that um, the title of his message today is if mama ain't happy nobody happy (laughs) I laughed I said it was kind of interesting to just kind of look at everybody's different things that they will talk about today and I thought it was pretty interesting wish I had the luxury to talk about whatever I want I, I, I truly want to just sometimes just talk about what I want but I, I was trained well to always go to the Lord for whatever he wants to say to his people because you are his people and he wants to talk to you. So it's not about what I think I should say. It's about what he wants to say to you. And so I find myself at this place today and what I will deliver to you is what God wants to say to you. And so we want to bring your attention to the scriptures of um Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Again, all of our guests, so thankful that you can come and be with us. We won't hold you long. We just want to get the word of the Lord to you. And we hope you've been blessed thus far. And uh, again, as we mentioned, if there's anything at all that we can ever do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. That's why we're here. We are servants of the Most High God. And it's not about us, but it's about you all that the Lord has brought to us so we can serve you. Exodus chapter 1 verse 22 says this, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Alive. My goodness. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit all the way up to verse 10. Says, And there went out, and there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him. Three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walk along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, 
And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the story of this mother. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you some things that is vitally important that will connect her life to our life today. And so I'm going to entitle the sermon today, I will not be intimidated. I will not be intimidated. You may be seated. A mother has more to do with a baby than a father at the infancy state. Especially during the the, the stage of when the baby just came out of the womb. Uh, Baby is tender. She is the natural guardian at that time for the baby. She does most of the feeding and the nurturing. Certainly she spends more time with the child and so was so it was with Moses' mother, Jockeybed. Jockeybed. Let me give you some background on this actual situation, how it all got started. The children of Israel ended up in Egypt because there was a famine in their land. And because of the famine, they went to Egypt. Joseph at the time was the governor uh, through some things he suffered and, and, and experienced, but it was all for the glory of God. And Joseph was able to get to Egypt and he became the governor, which means he became almost like the savior for his people because of the famine. Because when the famine took place, everyone was starving. And in order to get food, you had to go to Egypt. And you had to go see Joseph for him to divvy out food that you would need. Because God had shown Joseph in a dream that there was going to be seven years of famine and seven years of plenty. The seven years of plenty would come first and then the seven years of famine will come after. Joseph was able to interpret the dream to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord just showed you, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? And all of a sudden it, 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 it dawned on Pharaoh, if you receive the interpretation of that dream from God, then we're going to let you be the governor of all, at that time you might have said of all the world, because Egypt was the superpower at that time, and they were the strong nation. And so he became the governor to execute God's plan. For the seven years of plenty and the seven year famine. So all of Joseph's family eventually joined him in the land of Egypt. And also the Egyptians were in their land as well. And so they were there. And they ended up staying there for a long time. As a matter of fact, Joseph went there and spent 30 years there before his family knew he was there because they thought he was dead. Dad thought he was dead. Brothers sold him into slavery. That's not the story today, so I won't go back. But he was 30 years in Egypt without his family really knowing what was going on in his life. And that's when he interpreted the dream and he told the story. And Pharaoh said, now you're the governor. Everybody has to listen to Joseph because he's going to run this country. And so Joseph was there 30 years and, and, and all of a sudden the, the, he, he dealt with the, the seven years of plenty. Now the seven years of famine is now happening. And so eventually Joseph was able to get his family over where he is and they just made their home in Egypt for a long time. It turned out that they were in Egypt all together for 430 years. Now, the Pharaoh that, that, that Joseph had a good relationship with 
who was the Pharaoh that said, bring your family. Let's all be together and let's make sure we're a family and, and we'll live together. We'll be fine. That Pharaoh ended up dying. And Joseph died. And when that took place, it happens. So we're now, the new Pharaoh is saying, listen, I know the deal that Joseph and the old Pharaoh had going on. But right now I'm the new Pharaoh. It's like presidents. <laughs> it's like presidents. I'm the new dude in charge, and here is what I'm doing. And so he started monitoring the Hebrew people, and he realized that they were having children. He realized that their families were growing, and they didn't have small families, but they had big families. As a matter of fact, their families started outnumbering the families of the Egyptians. And so... The family is growing and outnumbering them. And the Pharaoh decided, you know what? If they keep growing, if these Hebrew people keep growing at the rate that they're growing and we're barely growing, they're going to outnumber us and eventually take over our land. That's, that's the plan. Can I tell you this? Let me take a pause here. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 16, verse 8. I got to slip this in before I go on. It goes on in Luke chapter 16, verse 8, to talk about the children of the world in their generation is wiser than the children of the kingdom in their generation. Let me explain that to you. The people that are not living for God, that, that, that their lifestyle is, I, I am a person that will just flow and live my life according to the system of this world. The Bible is telling us that those people normally are smart in their world and know how to get things done in their world. And unfortunately, the Christians have the same ability and opportunity to be smart in their world. But somehow it looks like the people of the world do better in their things than the people of the kingdom. But that's not what God intends for your life. Pharaoh realized, I got to slow this down. It's getting out of control, and they're going to take over our land. And so now we have to do something. So what he decided to do is make them slaves. The first slaves were Jews, slave masters, Egyptians. Egypt is in Africa, black people. Yeah, don't be uncomfortable. I say it all the time. Black people always want to cry about slavery, but they were the first one to have organized slavery. The Egyptian, they put the Jews in slavery. That's what they did. They said, we can't have them out of control and controlling our land. This is our land. This is the motherland. And that's how they were thinking. And they said, we have to put them in slavery. We have to control our own land. So they made the Hebrews slaved in Egypt. So here's where we are. So for that plan to be successful... Pharaoh says, let's make sure from now on, all the male boys of the Hebrews, when they're born, kill them. Because that's how you stop the family. <laughs> you want to shut down any generation, any race, any culture, any nationality, just mess the men up. I got a scientist in the, in, in the congregation. He said, amen. He is a scientist. He knows. He said, amen. So I know I'm on the right track. So you want to stop a generation from growing? Just do the men in. Make, make sure the men just, just, even if they exist, they don't exist. Put them in jail. Stop them from accomplishing anything and you shut down a generation. You shut down a, a race or a nationality. That's what Pharaoh decided. We're going to stop them by killing Every man child that is born. We don't care about the women that's being born because they can't reproduce without the man. You follow me? This don't have anything to do with race. It has to do with reproduction. And you can't reproduce without the man. And if the man can't reproduce, there's nothing going on. Yes? And so that's what Pharaoh decided. So here we go now. All the male babies that are being born take them and throw them in a the river so they'll, they'll drown and die. That's the order Pharaoh gave. 
The women just keep them. But the male throw them in the river so they will be dead. So here's the question this morning. Why was Jochebed the only mother who did not comply with Pharaoh's decree? Every other mother gave up their baby and their baby was thrown in the river, drowned and died. Why this woman named Jochebed decided that I'm not giving up my baby. I don't care what Pharaoh said. I'm not giving up my baby for nobody. And nobody's going to take my baby and throw him in no river. Why did she take that position when everybody else decided, oh, we got to give up our baby? Why didn't we read of other mothers hiding their child so that child could not be killed? As much as those mothers loved their sons, they feared Pharaoh more. Mm. Yeah, they loved their child. I'm not giving them up. I'm not letting you take my child and throw him in the river. But somehow their love wasn't strong enough to make them say, Pharaoh, I don't care how much you want to take my baby. You're going to have to come through me and fight me to take my child. I'm not giving him up. Why didn't they do that? Why did they just allow their babies to be taken and thrown in the river? Why? Because their fear for Pharaoh was stronger than their love for their child. Hmm. Can I tell you this? The devil don't care how much you love Jesus Christ. The devil don't care how much you go to church. The devil don't care how much you say, you know, oh, God is good. The devil don't care how much you worship God, how much you praise God. What he cares about is if I can intimidate you and make you, yes, worship God and praise God. But if my intimidation over your life is stronger than your relationship with God, that's all I care about. And so here's the devil constantly trying to intimidate you. Here's the devil constantly trying to make you so afraid that you won't commit your life to God. Here is the devil saying, I'm going to make sure no matter what you do for God, you will fear me more than you fear God. You will serve me more than you serve God. And I'm going to make sure of that. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at. Listen. When you study the scriptures, we always get some kind of understanding. And when you look at uh, Egypt and Pharaoh, it's, Egypt is depicted as the world of sin. And Pharaoh is depicted as the adversary, Satan. So what I'm saying is accurate that the devil will always try to intimidate you. A lot of us aren't living for God because we are being intimidated by the devil. Oh, God, help me this morning. There's some things that we may have done in the past that we knew was wrong. And we went to God and said, God, will you forgive me for the things that I've done? And God says, forgiven. But the devil is still lurking and saying, you know what you did. And I'm going to expose you. But I want to tell somebody today, the devil is just only trying to intimidate you and put fear in your heart just so you can't serve God just so you can't live for God just so you can't be victorious in God oh help me Jesus he's trying his best to intimidate you some of us we get a little bit of sickness in our body and we start getting fearful that's the devil intimidating you. We get fearful like, oh, is this bad? Or is it just something small? And what's wrong? What's going on in my body? Every little thing because that big C word has gone rampant now. Every time somebody feels something in their body, the devil try to intimidate you and says, uh-huh, you sick and you probably going to die. You got the worst thing you can ever have. But I'm here to tell you, it's a trick of the devil. He's trying to intimidate you and slow you down from living 
for God and slow you down from worshiping God and slow you down from coming to church and slow you down from living a victorious life. Every time something is wrong, the devil won't intimidate you. But somebody need to say, I will not be intimidated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to tell him that. You got to tell the devil, I will not be intimidated. We got to realize who God is. And if we know who God is, we will not be intimidated by the devil. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The devil is trying to separate you from the love of God. The devil is trying to separate you from being what God called you to be. The devil is trying to stop you from being all that God intended for you to be. Oh yeah. He's trying to stop you. And so we got to stop and ask ourselves, are we going to let him intimidate us? Somebody needs to say, I will not be intimidated. If the devil can intimidate you that you're afraid to sell out to Jesus Christ, he's got you just where he wants you. See, sometimes we want to feel like, oh my God, help me this morning. Sometimes we might feel like I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not living foul. I'm not, I'm not living immoral. I'm not sinning. I'm not, I'm not doing things that God would consider wrong. And that may be true and that's fine. But if you are not selling out to God, the devil is winning the battle. You might not understand that. You might not believe that. But until you decide, I'm not going to stay in the middle and I'm not going to stay on the devil side, but I'm going to go on the side of Jesus, and I am going to stand my ground and not be intimidated until we take that position. The devil still got us where he wants us. He doesn't care if you go to church. He just wants you to be ineffective in God. He wants you to just go through the motions and have no performance or no production and nothing will come from your life. That's what he wants. And he's doing it through intimidation. Yes, that's what he's doing it through, intimidation. There are things that we want to do, and we're afraid the devil's going to get involved and mess with us. But I'm here to tell you today, I will not be intimidated by the devil. Don't let the devil intimidate you. No matter how bad things may seem because what the devil do is as soon as you 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 get strong like for instance you know there's going to be some of us today when we walk out of here and we feel good and we're encouraged that we won't be intimidated as soon as you get there the devil is going to cause some things to start happening around you and begin to make things be uncomfortable for you and the question will be are you going to just stand your ground and say devil I just came out of a church service where God has assured me I don't need to be intimidated and stand your ground or you're going to let the devil get his way I'm here to tell you today that you need to stand your ground and not let the devil intimidate you it doesn't matter how the situation looks it doesn't matter what's going on you need to tell the devil devil the Lord can't show his healing power if nobody gets sick devil the Lord can't show his delivering power if nobody are bound up devil the Lord can't show his power unless something go wrong that's what you need to tell the devil that'll shut him down every time he whisper in your ear that sickness is going to get worse and you won't get messed up you said devil I read the bible and my sickness is not unto death my sickness is for the glory of God my sickness is unto the glory of God. So because I'm sick right now, you might think you're going to get me to just ball up in a, in a, in a ball and act like I, my last days are coming and act like I have no more hope. But I'm here to tell you, this is where God does his best work. When I'm sick, when I feel down and out, when things are just not going right, all I need to do is say, Jesus, will you stop by here right now? Will you come right now? Because I'm weak. I'm weary. I'm hurting, I'm downtrodden, but God, I know you're a healer, you're a deliverer, a restorer. Oh, help us, Jesus. My God, my God. 
the devil is trying to intimidate us. And I want you to know this morning, every time he tells you something that, 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 that might scare you, that might put a little bit of fear in your heart, you need to tell him something back about who your God is and what he can do. Don't let him intimidate you. Don't just sit there and take whatever the devil dishes out to you. You don't belong to the devil. Tell him, I don't belong to you. You have no right. I have no right to do anything in my life because I don't belong to you. Let me tell you something about the devil. The devil is trying to separate you from the love of Christ. Can I tell you this? The devil is all bark with no bite. Oh, you afraid because... Listen, 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 listen. Listen to me. Don't you be worried to say, Amen. I just caught you. You got nervous to say that. The devil is all bark with no bite. Why am I telling you that? We do more of the devil's work than the devil do his own work. All the devil do is introduce stuff to us and then back up. Uh Uh-huh. Look at that. Look at that. Just where I want them to go. Just what I want them to do. He is all bark. No bite. Remember the scripture says he wanted to destroy Job. And the Lord says, I will let you put affliction on Job. But guess what? You can't take his life. Are we forgetting the word of God? The, the, the devil cannot take your life. And guess what I tell him? And if you take my life, I'm going out swinging. I'm going out like a champ. And so if this is the last day I'm going to walk this earth, I'm walking it with Jesus. If this is the last day I'm going to take my last breath, I'm doing it for the sake of Christ. That's how you defeat the devil. That's why the Bible says Jesus defeated hell, burial, in the grave. Because once you tell him it doesn't matter if I die. If I die, let me die. But I'm going to die in the hand of God, in the power of the kingdom and I'm not worried about you devil because if I die I'm better off anyway being with Christ than to be here in this world take your best shot devil Hmm. not going to be intimidated you don't believe me that he's um, all bark and no bite first Peter five and eight Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, look at what it says. I stopped that devil. Y'all want to look at it and read it for me? What does it say? Oh, oh, don't go too fast. What did it say? As, 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 as and being a lion is two different things. The Bible didn't say the devil is a lion. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the lion in the lake. He can't be the lion because he is only one lion and it's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. The devil is a pretender. He's pretending to be something that he's not. Uh huh. As a roaring lion walking about you ever see those dogs? I don't know. We used to do it in Jamaica. And all you got to do, get out of here. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, if you don't do something to that dog, he's just, like he's a bad dog and ready to do something. That dog start running like somebody hit him too, crying out. <laughs> do the same thing to the devil like you do to that dog. The devil get the best of us because we never respond to him. We never get back at him. We never take a punch at him. We never try to drive him back. We allow him to do whatever he wants and say, oh God, the devil is strong. Oh, I'm here to tell you, he's all bark with no bite. Mm -hmm. I'm getting there. Won't keep you long, mother. I want you to have a good time today. Romans 8.31 says, 
if God be for us, when are we going to let the scripture marinate? If God be for us, who, who, you tell me, tell me, who can be against us? If God is for you, Tony, it doesn't matter who's against you. If God is for you, Cheryl, it doesn't matter who is against you. If God is for you, Sherry, it doesn't matter who is against you. I know they might seem rougher and tougher than you. I know they might seem like they are stronger and they got more resources than you. But I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter what it looks like. If God be for you, who can be against you? Pharaoh didn't think God could deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He didn't think so. He thought, he said, he said, listen, man, we got all the chariots. This is our country. We control this. You leave when I tell you. That's how the devil do. You study Pharaoh and you will see that Pharaoh was just the image of the devil that we're talking about. Make you, give you hope in thinking that something good is getting ready to happen. And as soon as you buy into that, swallow that hook, line, and sinker, thinking something good is about to happen, he just snatch it from you. How many times did Pharaoh tell uh, Moses to tell the children of Israel, okay, okay, you can go. Go back and look at your Bible. Tell them they can go. And as soon as they think they can go, he's like, no, you can't go. That's what the devil do to me and you, if we let him. Oh yeah, he makes you think that you, you know, oh, you don't even got to listen to God. You just, just do that and you'll be fine. That's what he told Eve. Oh, it wasn't that serious, that fruit God told me I don't eat. That's not that serious, girl. Just pick the fruit and eat it. He never make you think that things are serious. He always make you think things are good. Hmm. If God be for us, who can be against us? So why did Jockey Bed take such a big risk hiding her son if it was that serious? Why did she take that chance? Why did she risk the life of her entire family? Because remember, she's hiding this baby in the house. She had uh, two children before Moses. Study your book. Miriam and Aaron. Miriam was... Listed as a prophetess. Aaron was a priest. Moses, a prophet. Man, that mother was something else. Three kids. One led the children of Israel out of bondage and sin. One was a priest that was the mouthpiece for the brother that led everybody. The other one, she was a prophetess. I mean, mom brought the smoke with all her kids living for God. She was no joke. But she put everybody at risk. When she decided, we're not listening to Pharaoh. We're not going to be intimidated by Pharaoh. We're going to have this baby and we're going to hide this baby. And Pharaoh, we could care less what you think. That's how she was rolling. But let me tell you what it was that caused her to make that decision. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. Look what verse 23 says. I just don't even need to start. Look what it says. You can start for me. Mm -hmm. Mothers, I've come to talk to you today. If you want to have the most forceful and the most powerful thing in your life as a mother, the most powerful thing to possess as a mother is not money. The most powerful thing to possess as a mother is not, is, is, is not anything else. It's faith. If you want to be a mother that really will do the do and raise up your children right and get the best out of your family, mother, the best thing that you can possess today and leave here with is faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months. It was because Jochebed had faith. And that's why she had the baby and never gave him to Pharaoh. And never gave up that baby to be thrown in the river. She says, I will not give up my baby because I know who the Lord is. I will not give up my baby because I have faith. I am going to hold on to my baby 
because I know God will preserve my baby by faith. She didn't do it because she was just more stubborn. She didn't do it because she was stronger. She didn't do it because she had more wisdom than everybody else. She didn't do it because she knew the system better than anybody else. And she knew just how to hide the baby. That's not why she did it. She did it for one reason. She had faith. That's why she did it. To take that kind of risk. To risk your other two children. To risk your husband's life. To risk your own life. It didn't make good sense. That they, she risked four people's life to save her baby. She risked four people's life to save her baby. That don't make sense. To risk four lives for one. But that's what she did when she decided, I don't care what. We keeping this baby. We gonna make sure he good. And it doesn't matter what Pharaoh thinks. This baby will be all right. And so that was faith. It was faith that prevented her from being intimidated by Pharaoh. Intimidation will come from the devil, but the only way to withstand him is knowing and understanding who God is. It's only by faith can you withstand the devil's intimidation. If you will have faith in God, you will be free from your strongholds. If you will have faith in God, you will overcome the devil's temptation and intimidation. Faith will open the door to your salvation. We need faith in order to overcome the devil. This mother taught us well. This mother, Moses' mother, taught us well that it was only because of her faith why she was able to preserve her son's life. It was only because of her faith why she took the risk and hide that child in, in, in the house. And was, She had to wonder sometimes, was the baby going to cry and people was going to hear and would they come and look if it was a boy or a girl? She had to worry about those things. She had to be concerned about those things that what if somebody finds out I'm hiding this boy? She had to. So come bring it down to our level. Faith don't mean you don't get a little bit nervous. Faith don't mean you don't get a little bit uncomfortable. Faith don't mean, oh, you know, I don't pay attention to what's going on. Faith just means it doesn't matter what's going on. I have complete trust in who God is. I know him and I have complete trust in him. And so it doesn't matter what happens. Pharaoh could come knock on my door. I have so much faith that Pharaoh would have came and knocked on my door that day and says, I heard you got a boy child in this room. And when he came in and said it, I would have just, she would have just stood there and says, guess what? You can come and look if you want. And I'm sure God is so amazing. He will let Pharaoh come in and look and don't even see the child that's how much faith she had she never had one doubt that her child wasn't going to be saved as a matter of fact there was a husband his name was Amram there was a husband we didn't read a whole lot about the husband because when a woman possessed that kind of faith husband no baby you good When a a wife, a a, a mother possessed that kind of faith, husband ain't asking too many questions. He said, baby, is that what you think? Yeah, this is what I think. When the wife is praying and she is leading, being led by the power and the spirit of God, when God is working in that mother's life and the dad can see it, he's not asking no, go ahead, baby. The, the, The husband was there. He knew what was going on. And he never said, baby, no, we can't do that. You know how us men are? We logical. That don't make good sense. Just think. Logical thinking man, oh, that's not making a lot of sense, baby. Somehow Pharaoh's going to find out. Somehow he's going to know we hiding that baby in there. And why are you going to sacrifice Aaron and Miriam for Moses? He a baby. He's not going to really know what happened to him anyway. That's how men think. Yeah, he don't know a whole lot. He's just an infant. He just came out. You know, he'll be fine. And plus, we know all babies, when they die, they go to heaven. So he'll be fine. 
Yeah, that's how we would rationalize it. But Joshebed had so much faith that her husband says, baby, I'm with you. Go ahead and do what you got to do. Faith will open the door to salvation. I'm getting ready to close, but you got to pay close attention. Now, I led you up to this close. I'm getting ready to close in a second. But watch what the Bible showed us. What is salvation? We always hear people say salvation. Salvation. I want to have salvation. Salvation is deliverance from the power of sin and captivity and redemption by Jesus Christ. So you get delivered from captivity and sin and you get redeemed by Jesus Christ. What a lot of people do is we get delivered, but stop right there. We come to church and we felt that presence. Oh, the Lord is in the place and it's just great and wonderful. Prayers go out and God deliver you. But you just stood right there. You never allowed yourself to get redeemed. You, you stayed right in the middle after you got delivered. You That lukewarm state we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah. So you stayed right there. So you got delivered and you just stood your ground. I'm good. But you need to be redeemed by God. You need to be redeemed by God. It's not just good enough to be delivered, but you now need to be redeemed. Because guess what? Just like how you got into captivity, just like how you got bound up the first time, just like how you got lost the first time. Oh, you can go get lost again. Uh huh. You, you, can, you can get in captivity. You can get bound up again. But when I go and be redeemed by Christ, the Bible says, no man can pluck you out of my hands. So when I'm redeemed, I'm on, and I'm living in the kingdom of God, and I'm living for God, the devil can't do nothing to me. The devil can't overtake me because I'm in the hand of God. I'm in the protection of God. It's only when I step out of God's protection can the devil ever do anything to me. Mm. And so watch this. Pay close attention. Don't get lost. You've been good. You've been good too. You've been paying attention. Don't lose me because I'm getting ready. Last 10 minutes here. Understand this. Israel was in captivity, as we said, 430 years. And they needed to be delivered. They were in the land of sin where people worship idols, false gods. And you stay in a land of sin without being redeemed by God. And no matter how much you think right, no matter how... I watched it. It doesn't matter how much you know that's right in your brain. You can know all the right things. If you go around a situation or you go around an area where there's wrong, sooner or later you won't be able to help yourself, but you'll find yourself doing maybe just a little bit. And you might feel like, well, they're doing a whole lot wrong. I'm only doing a little bit that's wrong. But I'm here to tell you today, uh, God is looking for people that's without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And when you go into an environment uh, where things aren't altogether lovely, where things aren't altogether right, sooner or later, you want me to help you out? I'm going to help you out real quick. When I go down to the prison and minister down there, I learn a lot of people's story. There's this kid down there. You might have heard about this, but there was a robbery in Hamilton. Three people robbed this guy and shot him and killed him. One guy shot the guy and kill him. They took $25,000 from him. Shot him and kill him. The guy, trigger man, did the do. But there was a girl that was a, you know, she was participant. And then you had the guy that he was just in the car with them. All three of them are at the workhouse right now. The police know who the trigger person is. The police know how much participation the girl had in there. The police know that boy is so just 
He don't even belong in jail. You go talk to this dude, you're like, what are you doing here? He was just in a situation as an innocent person. Didn't even know the whole story, how it was all going. They just, they just told him, here's your plea. You can take it to trial and get 25 years if you get found guilty, or you can take a plea for seven years. He didn't pull the trigger. He didn't participate in the killing, but that's what he was offered. What am I trying to tell you? Just being in the wrong place. Remember, our law really is taken from this book. The Bible says light and dark cannot exist together. And so if I go in any environment, that's not right. If I stay here, I'm going to get tarnished. I'm going to begin to do the things that they do. I'm going to begin to live the way they live. And eventually I'm going to say there's nothing really wrong with it. And people are getting locked up for not doing anything but being around the wrong people and in the wrong place. And people are getting locked up. Don't you think if we decide nothing too wrong with this, because I don't do that. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do the stuff. Stay around them long enough. Hang around them long enough. And you will begin to do the same things that when you first got around them, you was wondering, how did they do that? Can't they see that that is just wrong? Can't they recognize that God don't like that? When you first got around them, that's what you said. And then, you started going around every day. Yeah, I, I can see that. I understand. I understand. Listen, I can hear you out and love you and respect you, but I'm still going to tell you if you're wrong. If I go around people and they're not doing right, I'm going to love them up because God, you know, I just love people. And that's what God working you when you get saved. You're supposed to love people. I'm going to love them. And when they try to explain to me, well, here's why I do this. I'm going to listen to them politely and lovingly. I'm going to say, but that's not right. That's not according to the Bible. Now, you know, I love you, but that's not according to the Bible. That's how I am going to tell people. I'm going to tell them, that's not right. But I love you. If I can be of help to you, I will. I will let, I will bend over backwards to help you. But if it's wrong, I got to tell you. Because by telling you to, to correct your steps, that's more love than the one that's agreeing with you. You going to agree with your kids when they're doing wrong? Or you going to straighten them out and beat their butt if you need to and say, that was wrong. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. So if somebody going wrong, 430 years, they was in slavery. They was bound. They had no hope. They was in trouble. They needed deliverance. They needed to be saved from the situation that they were in. They cried out to God and they prayed many times, but somehow it felt like God wasn't hearing them because look how long it went on for. Didn't seem like things was going to work out for them. They wanted to be delivered so bad. God used Moses eventually. Hmm. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Remember, I, I should never promise you something that I can't deliver sometimes. Remember when Jesus was born, right? At that time, they sent a decree out to kill every baby around two years old. Because the word was out that the Savior was being born. But because they didn't know who the Savior is, they said, you know what? We're just going to wipe every baby out within two years old. So that way we, we stop the Savior from coming. The devil knows when your blessing is coming. I can't say this enough to you. This is down in my soul. 
This just came to me. I allowed the Lord to talk to me as I was saying it. The devil always knows when God is setting you up for blessings. He always knows. He did it. Jesus was the blessing, the greatest blessing the earth could ever receive. And, and they knew. Herod knew Jesus was coming. And he was trying to stop the blessing. Anytime the devil knows your blessing is coming, he's going to work you over. Herod knew Jesus was coming to save his people. And the devil knew that something was going to happen if all the male child... We read that it was about... They was worried about their land being taken over. That may have been part of it. But I'm telling you the Holy Ghost. The other part was... They're going to raise up. And there's going to be a great leader among them. And if I don't take out all them young boys that's being born, I am going to be in trouble. And so I'm here to tell you that the devil knew that Moses was going to be born. He didn't know all the scheme. He didn't know the plan. He didn't know the process. He just knew there was going to be a man born that was going to raise high and do a great work for God. And because he knew that, he decided, I got to get a preemptive strike going. And I got to make sure that doesn't happen. The devil is working on all of you in here to try to stop you from the blessing that's on his way. And I'm here to tell you today, if you want God's blessing to overtake you, if you want blessings of God to overshadow you, you better get down and begin to pray. You better begin to say, God, I will not be intimidated. I will be steadfast and unmovable and unshakable. I am not moving. I am not moving because I know my blessings is right there. And the devil is trying to mess with me. I experienced it in my own life. I've watched it in other people's life. And have read about it in the scripture. The devil got demons all around. Keeping a check on you. He knows. And all he's trying to do is mess with your blessing. He's trying to get into the way of what God wants to do for you. If he can remember, I said we do a lot of his work and we blame him. If he can get you to just go in the opposite direction of what God wanted for your life, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. All he got to do is push you out of the place where God wants you to be. Listen to me. Deliverance can't happen until faith is present. None of us can be delivered without faith. I'm going to prove it to you in a second while you percolate on it trying to figure it out. For you to be delivered from captivity, for you to be delivered from the power of sin, faith must be present. You can be delivered today. If you're bound by anything, you can be delivered today if you're in captivity of anything, but faith must be present. And I'll help you to obtain the faith that you need in order to be delivered. You want to be saved? You have to have faith in God. Faith is not confessing who God is. No, we like to say, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's words. That's not giving you faith. Faith is not confessing who God is. Faith is having the knowledge of who God is. Amen. You see the difference? I can say words that you tell me to say. So if you say you're a new Christian or you're trying to be a Christian, and I say, come on up, I'm the pastor, come on up, let me pray for you. And I tell you, just say this. You're just saying what I tell you to say, but you don't know nothing. How can you ever be saved by saying words but have no knowledge? So faith is not about just confessing some things and saying some things. Faith is having the knowledge of who the Lord Jesus Christ is.
Because once you understand who he is, it changes the whole dynamic. Now you don't have to be intimidated by the devil because you realize that if your God was the God that created as the invisible God from the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth and people. He created everything and he did it as the invisible God that nobody could see. But when we got ourselves jammed up in a bad situation and we needed a savior and no real man was qualified to save us, he decided, well, I got to become this man that they need and make myself visible to them. And I have to now go through the birth process of being born to the womb of a mother and come to that world and then manifest myself as a man. And while I'm a man, I'm still the almighty God. And while I'm a man, I'm still doing things as God. And I died for them. And when I died, I rose myself up. And when I rose myself up, I ascended back to heaven. And now I sit on the throne, that same God that was in the beginning, saying in the beginning, God created that same God is sitting on the throne. He's no longer invisible. He is visible sitting on the throne. When we get to heaven, there will not be an invisible God sitting in the middle and a son sitting in the left and the Holy Spirit on the right. No, it will be one God sitting in the center. His name is Jesus Christ. When you understand what he has done and all that he's gone through for you, you will say there is nothing too hard for God. That's faith. I just imparted to you the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. When you have that knowledge, there is no way you can walk around and doubt. There is no way you can walk around and be intimidated. There is no way you can walk around and wonder, is this going to work out? Work out! The God that we serve, He became visible. He was invisible. He became a man and He came through the birth. How in the world is that possible for the invisible God to be born through the womb of a woman was a baby, grew up and became a man and He still was God? Oh, you don't want to hear me. But when you understand that, you just you just stand stand up with your chest stuck out. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I serve. Yeah, I know you're trying to figure out how is that possible. You can't figure it all out with Him. But that's how awesome He is. And if he is that God, I can't worry about anything the devil wants to do. I will not be intimidated by the devil because my God is greater. My God is stronger. My God is higher than any other. My God is amazing. And so I want you to stand with me. Here's what I'm going to close. It was the mother's faith that made the way for Moses, the deliverer. Listen to me. If the mother didn't have faith, the deliverer would not have come forth. If the mother didn't have faith, the deliverer wouldn't come forth. If Mary didn't have faith, the Savior couldn't come. Oh, somebody better hear me today. It's these women that had faith that gave birth to these deliverers. It's because a woman will have faith while we will experience deliverance. If the woman don't have faith, there will be no deliverer. Woman, you got to have faith. If, 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 if you don't have faith... The deliverer can't come forth. If you don't have faith, we can't produce anything to help. We need faith. And so, we come to this point where we understand Jockey Bed, Moses' mother, was a woman of faith. And she didn't allow Pharaoh to intimidate her. And she didn't allow anything to stop her from saying, my child will live and not die. She didn't allow anything to stop the will of God from being done. And mother, if you have faith today, nothing can stop the will of God from being done through you. Nothing can stop the will of God from flowing through your life. Now here's how I'm closing. The church... Is always depicted in the Bible as the mother of the children of God. 
Did you know that? The church is the mother to the children of God. And Jesus Christ is the father. The church is the womb. And birth can only come through. Y'all don't see how God operates. That's why the church is looked at as a female. Because the church gives birth to the deliverer. If the church will have faith. The church will begin to give birth to pastors and evangelists and missionaries and Sunday school teachers and preachers. The church is the one that will cause the world to have their deliverer. That will cause the world to have that that person that will be a hand in, in helping them to make it through. God has always used the individual. And when he couldn't find one capable enough to do the real hard work, he came himself. But things just don't happen by happenstance. And and, and things just don't poof and happen like magic. It's always going to be through the process that God has set in place. And the church is considered the mother of the children of God. If we're going to, if people are going to get saved, the mother is going to have to give birth. The mother is going to have to have faith. The church must operate in faith for people to be saved. For people to be delivered, the church must have faith. Faith will overcome intimidation of the devil. Many of us have decided to just be lukewarm because we've been intimidated by Satan. We're afraid that if we just concentrate on God and give our all to God and sell out to God, the devil is going to mess with you. And you just want peace in your life. You don't want the devil to mess with you. Let me be first to tell you, whether you live for God or you live for the devil, you will not experience peace all the time. There's always going to be something going on. So let me just live for God and deal with whatever turmoil when they come, as opposed to live for the devil because I'm intimidated. Because I'm intimidated by him. Mothers, when you know for yourself who God is, when you have faith, you'll be able to change our world. Y'all been changing our world since the very beginning. From the very beginning. You called the man that heard from God to do differently than what God told him. That wasn't a good change. But it's just your fingerprint, your handprint has been upon this world since the day it started. And some men want to make mothers or women less than. Mothers, I'm here to tell you, don't even pay that no mind. For all those male chauvinists and all those men that think it's about men, you tell them, if the mother don't have faith, nothing happens. If the mother don't have faith, Nothing happens. The seed comes from the father. But it only can be reproduced through the mother. It needs a womb. And the only way we're going to see the hand of God. Is when the mother decides I'm going to have faith. The only way we're going to experience the power of God. The hand of God working in our world is for the mother to have faith. We need mothers to have faith. We need mothers to say, I will not be intimidated. We need to stand up and say, I will not allow the devil to intimidate me. Because Jesus is on my side. Today, if you're in any situation and you need God to deliver you out of it, just have faith. Today, if you are in any situation where you you really need help, you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do. All you have to do is have faith. Know what I just told you about God, who he is. And when you realize who he is, you'll say, what is there hard for my God? What is it that my God cannot do? There's nothing. Whatever you need from God today, he can provide it for you. And so for just a couple minutes, I want you, if you want to bow your heads where you are, bow your heads where you are. If you want to walk to the front and just pray and talk to God, because you have a need. You have faith. And you want God to do something today. I want you to just take two minutes 
And I'll pray with you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We can no longer be intimidated by the devil. We can no longer run from the devil. For Lord, no matter what, we have to deal with the truth. We have to deal with facts. And so I pray today in the name of Jesus. That Lord God, every person that have allowed the enemy to intimidate them. That they will no longer give in to the advances of the devil. They will no longer give in to that intimidation. But oh my God, they will say to you, help me Jesus. For you are the son of God. You are the God that died for us. And so today, Lord, we call upon your great name for deliverance. We call upon your great name for restoration. We call upon your great name, Lord God, to say we will no longer be intimidated by the devil. We submit ourselves under your mighty hand today. Lord, if there's somebody in this house that needs salvation, I pray that they will come and say, God, I want to be saved. If there's somebody in this house, Lord God, that need deliverance, I pray that they will come and say, God, deliver me. If there's somebody in this house, Lord God, today that will demonstrate faith, will you meet them right where they are in that place of need because of their faith? Touch every lady, every mother in this place today, Lord God, that no matter what, there will be faith that will operate and flow through them. That every mother will walk out of here today, Lord God, and have a made-up mind to let faith flow through them. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody help me today. Somebody surrender to the Lord today. Let the Lord have his way today. Don't let this day pass you by, this service pass you by, without allowing God to cause a change to take place in your life. Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. We give you the honor and we give you the glory. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody thank him right now. Just thank him right now. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Come on, give him some praise and thank him today. Come on, let out your voice and give him thanks today. Honor him because he's worthy of all the praises. He should be honored because he's been good to us. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Before we dismiss today, again, happy Mother's Day to every one of you. Can't tell you how much I appreciate each and every mother. Can't tell you how much I respect each and every mother. You are a 